This podcast is brought to you by Ride IQ. Ride IQ is a first of its kind equestrian coaching platform that will transform your independent schooling rides. Ride IQ members get access to the private mobile app with hundreds of on demand listen while you ride audio lessons taught by the world's top eventing, hunter jumper, and dressage coaches. Membership is only $29.99 per month, and every membership automatically includes a free trial. When you sign up at ride-iq.com. On today's episode of In Stride, Sinead interviews Will Faudry. Will's an American five-star event rider. As a young rider, Will won a team gold medal at the North American Young Rider Championships, and from there, he became a working student for Olympic event rider Philip Dutton. During that time, Will purchased Antigua, and the pair made a quick name for themselves in the eventing community. Will and Antigua were on the U.S. team at the Pan American Games in 2003, and they won a team gold medal. The pair were the traveling reserves for the Athens 2004 Olympic Games, and in 06, they represented the U.S. at the World Equestrian Games in Aachen, Germany. In 2020 and 2021, Will has finished in the top placings at the four-star level on two horses, Fun and Mama's Magic Way. Today, Sinead and Will are talking about perception versus reality. From the outside, it's easy to perceive Will's story as a series of successes and a source of inspiration. It's certainly the latter, but not just because of the wins. The cycle is hard work, struggle, win, repeat. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, I am here with the one and the only Will Faudry. I am really, really excited to have you here today, Will. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I, uh, I'm really excited about the next hour and a half. I don't even know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I know. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, um, you know, I was kind of pondering um, about different topics and different things that are kind of hot topics right now and things that are interesting. And, you know, I've been kind of... Um, you know, honestly, I've been kind of sitting around lately because of uh, a certain baby that just happened to show up. And, you know, and I'm, I'm watching all you guys. I'm everyone's biggest fan. So I'm, you know, watching you jump around Carolina and I'm watching everyone at Red Hills. And it's easy to kind of get a little bit like I'm, you know, excited for my friends and that they're going well. But it's also easy to get a little bit, um, you know, honestly, a little jealous or a little envious and things like that. And I started thinking about, um, you know, everything now on social media and everything that's out there, it's so easy to kind of get this false um, idea of kind of this rock and roll glamorous lifestyle of, you know, eventing and horseback riding and all of this sort of stuff. And then what we're not really seeing is all the behind the scenes work that's, that's going into it. And you were kind of on my, you were on my list of people to talk to. And I thought this, this is actually perfect because a, I know that you'll speak your mind. (laughs) And, and I don't ever have a problem doing that. <laughs> no. And, um, and B, I've just known you for a really long time and, and you, you're not one to really put out there, um, kind of the, the hardships and the struggles that, um, you know, have gone on behind the scenes in your all business at the events, but, you know, you've had some real roller coasters and you've been in this sport and at that elite level of the sport. I mean, really since like 2000 and 2000. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was on the first training list or the first short list for Harath in 02. Um, and right. then I rode, on, I rode on the Pan Am team in 2003. So, yeah, I mean, 20 years. 
And you were a baby, like, because we're the same age. So you would have been like 20, right? 21? Yeah, I was I was 21 when I made the Pan Am team. Yeah, so, so you know, this is, yeah, going on 20 years, 20, 21, 22 years of doing this sport. And, um, you know, how how are you doing? Like, what if you kind of think back about 21 years ago and that you're still rocking and rolling today, and obviously there's a lot of stuff that has changed and a lot of stuff that has stayed the same. I mean, talk to us about how you're doing. You know, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, that I've always been obsessed with this sport and with the horses and with the partnerships that I have with the horses. And I think that's, I mean, I haven't had, I, somebody asked me in an interview at Carolina, like, oh, what's your most memorable win? And I haven't actually mm. won a ton. I, I, there's not a, a, I couldn't pick a, a, an event that I've won that is the most memorable. It, and I, I said to the girl, you know, it's the, the relationships, it's the friendships that I've made. It's the bonds that I've had with the horses. I can tell you some really amazing rounds and really amazing competitions. And I actually like Andromac at Bukalo when you and I were on that silver medal team, mm -hmm. like that was such a mm -hmm. awesome cross country round. I remember that. I don't really remember the, the wins. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting to, I don't feel like I'm old enough to have done this for 20 years. <laughs> um, I know, I know. You know, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're in your 40s. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've, I've been very, very lucky and very fortunate in my career I, with the horses that I've had and with really the support you know, predominantly backed by Jennifer Mosing, who's also, you know, a friend of yours as well. And she's been mm -hmm. a, a huge, uh, you know, contributor to my, to my time at the top of, or at the elite level of the sport, the advanced level of the sport. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's a, you gotta, it's a, wow. it, you gotta keep, keep at it because it doesn't just, I mean, I remember when we were, kids i remember karen o'connor saying you know it's easy to get to the top it's hard to stay there yeah. and there's yeah. no truer yeah. there's no truer words ever spoken than that yeah 100 so. that's interesting that you say that that kind of struck a chord when you said that i don't actually remember the wins I, I remember the rides you know and like that just struck a chord with me for sure because i know I, I know behind you, there's a, there's a bar, but there's also a gym. And I know for me, when I'm kind of on the treadmill running or kind of pushing out that last little bit, you know, I try and get lost in a ride or, it, you know, in a previous one or, or a moment in the future. But often I find myself recounting moments of rides. You know, it's not that, you know, moment where, where you realize you won or had a strong placing or whatnot. It's, it's a moment reflecting it's longer, you know, like it's a longer feeling of connection or a relationship yeah. or a moment. It's, it's that sense of accomplishment of, you know, you know, whatever it is, um, you've had a horse that you've struggled to make the time and all of a sudden you make it or, you know, whatever. So I remember more of those moments, um, than I than I do as a particular win or not. I mean, I I remember, of course, I remember winning. Winning's fun. <laughs> I wouldn't keep doing this if I didn't like to win. But um, 
it's not always about just that that placing it's about the ride it's about the moment leading up to it and and the moments after it yeah it kind of it's like an addiction it keeps you going <laughs> keeps you coming back 20 years later yeah so so back to the beginning um so midland texas <laughs> that on a midland, texas yeah. Um, I have to tell you this funny story. I was teaching a clinic actually in Midland. Um, I'd never heard of a pump jack and I was flying over and I'm like, what is that? And it's just so much oil. And I learned all about minerals and um, this lovely lady that was driving me around. It was like um, we, we were listening to like Christian Brock and, you know, we're driving. <laughs> she goes, she goes, well, that's that's Will Fodder's daddy's house. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a it's like a national treasure. Uh, um, so it was it was kind of neat actually. I was like, oh, this is where where baby Will grew up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how did you get from you know Midland, Texas to? I think you went to Phillip from there, right? Yeah, I went. I went to when I first left Texas. I was at Karen and David's for a bit. They were my okay. young ride. They were the Area Five young rider coaches. Mm -hmm. And then from Karen and David's, I went to Phillips and was there for three years and then took a job with Jim Cogdell. Oh, four. I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know that guy. And, um, then, you know, that didn't, you know, pan out for no other reason that Jim wanted to kind of steer in the direction of running an event. And yeah, I wanted to go in the direction of riding in the events. And, <laughs> um, and so I, and you know, I had, that was in 2003 and I had just made a scene, the senior team, um, at the Pan Ams. And that was, that team was myself, Stephen Bradley, Bobby Costello, and Jan Benny, which I affectionately, um, Nick, I affectionately nicknamed that team, the three gays and the little lady. <laughs> and, um, definitely actually, something to be found on TBS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, not three men and a little lady, three gays and a little lady. Um, but Bobby Costello and I had become friends. And, you know, he, I was in Norwood, North Carolina, and he was in Southern Pines. And mm -hmm. I would come back and forth. And, um, you know, I was a young professional starting out on my own. And um, I had, he had started helping me a bit in the show. I really struggled in the show jumping. And, um, he had started helping me with my show jumping. And then um, I really had, I, I, he was, you know, he had been to the Olympics in Sydney and then um, obviously on that Pan Am team. And I was just so, you know, I worked for Karen and David as a working student. I worked for Philip as a working student. And I so admired his, approach to his career and mm -hmm. um you know i i it was it suited my personality better you know i wasn't ever gonna be i never really have been the rider that's gonna have 10 or 12 horses at an event i can't do mm -hmm. that um and so i got a lot of um uh you know i i really went to Bobby, not just as a coach, but I seeked advice in the, yeah. as, as the start of my professional career. And, as you know, I, I had, 
we had always done when I was with Philip, we were in Pennsylvania and then we'd go down to Aiken um, for the winters. And I hated that. I hated that having two places. Mm -hmm. I'm such a homebody. Um, and so I loved that I could be in this area year round. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I ended up moving to Southern Pines end of 2003 and then rented places. Um, well, actually rented a place in 2000. Well, uh, that place that I had started in 2003 and I was there and went, I was actually at the, um, at the final outing in England um, at Gatcom before the, before the Athens Olympics. And um, that barn had been hit by lightning and burnt down. Oh my God. And, and so luckily the horses that I had left, you know, Antigua was with me obviously in England, but um, the horses that I had left, I had three other horses there. Bobby had them for the summer. They were at his farm. So I didn't have any animals, but all my, like all my, I mean, everything. I was, yeah, everything. I was 22 years old, so I didn't have a ton of stuff, but I yeah, mean, but everything you have, you have with you when you're 22 years old. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I had left, you know, so I, my, my Pan Am gold medal got burnt up. <laughs> oh my um, God. So yeah, so that place burnt down when I was in Athens. And when I came back from Athens, I, my horses were still at Bobby's, but it was like, well, what am I going to do? And I um, ended up by chance meeting uh, Tex and Donna Griffin in the grocery store checkout line. I had a Athens shirt on because it was mm -hmm. basically the only clothes I had was what I took to England and what I got in Athens. And this really nice couple said to me, and they were like, oh, are you, you know, Will Vaudry? And I said, yeah, and they were like, oh my God, we're so, you know, sorry we heard about your house. That's so bad. You know, have you found a place? I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you, you should come look at ours. So I actually followed them right then from the grocery store and went um, went to their place in Southern Pines and they were amazing. And I rented, they had a six stall barn, a little cabin that I rented um, from 04 to 0, the beginning of 08. And, yeah. and then um, the farm that I have now um, uh, came on the market and it's, it's about 20 minutes, 20 miles from Southern Pines. Um, and I'm just in the next county over. Uh, but it's great because I've got, I have 60 acres here. And then Jennifer Mosing, um, she bought the 150 acres across the street. And then we're surrounded by 80,000 acres of North Carolina land and wildlife. So, and, you know, I've been here now since 08. And um, it's been really fun to develop. And, yeah. and you know, I, I took a little bit of, you know, I got to design the barn. I got to, so I took different things that I loved from the barns that I had been to and I had worked in and got to put them in my own, in my own place. And then once I got that settled, then I started adding on to my house and so it becomes a little bit of an addiction. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it also is something, I mean, I remember when we bought this farm, which was like six years ago, you know, not uh, 
12 or, or whatnot, and being so intimidated by even like trying to decide where to put a paddock, you yeah. know, like, like it takes a certain level of confidence. And I've been to your farm several times and it's stunning. I mean, like the vision, it's not that you just designed a barn, like that's something you could do for a living. <laughs> I mean, yeah. every, every corner is planned out. It's beautiful. And functional. yeah, well, thank it's, you. Like, incredibly I'm, functional. Yeah, no, I'm, I, it's a little bit my pride and joy. Um, yeah. And I've loved developing it. And, you know, I, I, I've tried to do it through the eyes of the horse. And, yeah. And that's, that's, I guess would, I'd have to say probably my biggest, biggest passion in addition to my competitive career. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's really, it's really phenomenal. I mean, I remember going through, I have tons of pictures of your farm in my phone because I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And this is a great idea. Everything from, you know, how you have the tractor and the muck heap actually in the barn in a certain way that you can drive it in, that you don't have to go out in the rain and dump the manure. I'm like, that's yeah. genius. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but I think, you know, you get a lot of that. You're right from being in different barns and working and living in different spaces. I remember um, going out to, um, um, it was out with Mark Weisbecker and Bobby out at Mark's place and talking to them about their farm and Mark saying that he just used to go out to the property and just sit there for months mm -hmm. before building anything just to see where the sun set, where the sun came up, where the wind came in, everything just so that he could figure out you know, and he said he changed his mind 15 times about stuff yeah. and just would sit there. You know, it's it's really uh, kind of a spectacular undertaking, um, but something to be so proud of, you know. Yeah. And, um, no, it, it's fun. And, you know, the I, I, there's a lot, I've got a lot of people staying here right now um, with horses. And everybody's like, God, the horses are like so chill here. They just like stay out in the fields. I'm like this. They, they that, yeah. It's been that way since. <laughs> I first set foot on it. Like horses yeah. really love it here, yeah. or at least they love it enough to stay quiet in their fields. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, I mean, like, you know, we talk about the horses and like the horses are just masters of energy, right? Like that's how they communicate. That's how they, um, you know, if we, if we can manage and direct our energy as well as they can and read it, you know, um, we'd be, we'd be a lot better off, but that there's something about the energy of the place of a place and the people that are in the space, um, that really can, can honestly make her make or break a horse, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like literally, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the amount of, of accidents that happen in paddocks and running and that type of stuff that really, um, you know, I think has something to do with the energy of a place. And if you can start to navigate that and, and in in a abstract way, um, engage it and celebrate it, and and you know, know that it's real. It, it kind of uh, it creates a really special place. I can't imagine actually wanting to leave to come to Florida or go to Aiken or up yeah. north. <laughs> no, I'm I'm very I'm very happy in my little on my island. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's kind of it, it is cool, right? Because you are kind of this midway stop. I think there's there's very few of us that haven't ended up, you know, crashing uh, in one of your rooms or yeah. putting the horses in a field. And I remember last time I was there, you weren't even there. I think I FaceTimed you from your kitchen, like swinging yeah. on a swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty cool. Um, so so we we go from Texas 
to Middleburg to Unionville to Southern Pines. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Or well, nor with a brief stop in Norwood in there. Um, yeah. And you know, so then let's go to your competitive kind of career. Um, so you have this all this amazing success as a young person, and then when did Jennifer Mosing come into the picture? So Jennifer. Um, I met Jennifer, I was teaching a clinic in um, Shreveport, Louisiana, um, in the first weekend of December in 2008. And um, I had met her once before, and then I, I, had, I was teaching her daughters in this clinic. And, um, you know, that was 2008. Antigua had retired. Um, I'd done Kentucky on him in 2008, and then he was shortlisted for those Olympic Games. But he did not get on the plane to go to England. Um, and then I had just bought the farm, um, or I had just moved out to the farm. We had gotten the paddock situated and everything that I could move horses out here. And... Um, I had a really cool horse called Paulo that yeah. I um, had just done the now three star at Fair Hill. Um, and he, I, I needed to sell him. I had, um, I owned him and I didn't really want to sell him, but, you know, it had been that whole summer I had been trying to get to the Olympics. So I wasn't doing a whole lot and um other than just you know training with mark phillips and doing all those training sessions and then um you know my sister unfortunately was diagnosed with cancer um in may of 2008 and then she died in november of 08 and oh my god yeah it was actually kristen died on a saturday the following saturday was her funeral and the following saturday i met jennifer so, oh my god amazing so, yeah yeah and you know jennifer is she's been you know we the the term fairy godmother gets <clears throat> dropped a lot you know when when you hear about owners and people like that but you know i the biggest term i can say about or biggest word i could call jennifer is a friend and yeah you know she's been you know obviously a huge part of my career um and uh yeah and you know family at, at, at this point it's it's so weird i went down I, I had to go down to she has a house here and i went down to her house to she was here for carolina and i had to go down there and get a few things and i like walked walked into the house and i was getting stuff out of the refrigerator and i hear this voice will turn around and it's her youngest son, son who's now 20 and i like i remember going to his seventh birthday and i'm like yeah, time go but he actually goes to college um in high point north carolina so he comes down on the weekends oh that's so funny yeah. like i didn't even knock yeah that's funny i only i met him one time i think i went down to teach a clinic down at their place and yeah he would have been probably like seven or eight maybe he was 10 because he was on one of those um what are those it's like an indoor skateboard but it's like with your weight you kind of zoom yeah. around the place like he was just in and out and around and 
Yeah. That's so wild, actually, that he's 20. Yeah. He's 20 um, in college. And <laughs> crazy. So one of the things that I think is so cool about um, about you and Jennifer is, um, you know, knowing both of you guys independently and then together, I think there is this, um, I don't know what the word is. There's this thing out there that you're supposed to be a certain way or be a certain thing to entice owners and people into your circle. And, you know, you've got to behave a certain way that sometimes isn't really true to who you are. And I think one of the coolest things about you guys is that you, you're always true to who you are, whether you're like, you know, yelling about something or, or excited about something or, you know, like whatever it is in the moment. And, um, you know, and Jennifer is, is very, you know, like she's very reserved, but she has her opinions and her thoughts and, and, um, is a very smart lady. And, uh, and you guys just always have seemed so comfortable in your own skin, comfortable together. There doesn't seem to be this, um, you know, owner rider role. It's, it's never felt that way. It's always felt yeah. very comfortable. Now, you know, I mean, when I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely beat to my own drum and kind of <laughs> make my, like, you know, what's the, the expression somebody said to me one time, they were like, Oh, if you were mine, I wouldn't let you go. I was like, I wouldn't ask your permission. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> um, exactly. But uh, no, like I remember when you know when I first started riding for Jennifer, I I was 27, and you know I was out of the closet to all you guys, mm -hmm. um, you know people that knew me, but I wasn't out to my family. I was not something that I broadcasted. Not that I broadcast it now, but I also, you know, it, no. I don't deny, you know. And I remember um, in 2010, it was Paulo's first five-star at Kentucky. And I, I, the guy that I was with at the time wanted to come. And I was like a little bit, you know, I like I hadn't. I mean, I was pretty sure Jennifer knew, but I didn't know <laughs> Jennifer's husband was going to be there. And was this going to be weird or. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I was like, I don't need this out of stress. But I yeah. also was like, well, whatever. And he came and I remember Sunday night we were sitting there and um, uh, we had, I, I think I finished 10th or 12th on him. It was really exciting. Um, you know, he had done, he had had a good, good go and, it was exciting for me because I mm -hmm. was, I had a horse at that level after Antigua. Yeah. And that was a, um, that was a, you know, it was a, a relief, I guess would be the biggest word. Um, yeah. But I remember sitting, talking, we were sitting there and um, uh, something was said and about my boyfriend. And I kind of like, like set up or something like don't oh my god don't don't say that <laughs> and i'll never forget jennifer looked at me and she goes well do you think my husband let me come to these events by myself if he were straight <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like okay cool <laughs> you're like my second big relief of the weekend <laughs> yeah uh, um so uh, like that and that's hilarious. just been that that right there is absolutely our, like are we are so 
I mean, I talk to Jennifer daily and we just, <laughs> yeah, we, we have fun. And I think, you know, we're, we're both similar in that. Like, yeah, yeah. we, yeah, there is, we have our, we have our jobs. We know what our jobs are, or I know what my job is. And, you know, we have a good time and mm -hmm. that's been, you know, I also, I think, you know, why it works. There's no hidden, no hidden Agenda. doors or, yeah. um, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. It's like, and now, I mean, now in my forties, I'm, I'm even more like beaten to my own drum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the, uh, I think that's one of the, the good things that comes with age is the confidence to just be like you know, what's, what's the point in doing something else? Because I want to create an, a community around myself that appreciates me for me. If I have to pretend to be somebody else, then what's the point, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's why you and I have always gotten on really well, because if either of us is being ridiculous, we both call each other on it. And uh -huh. then two seconds later, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> and moving, moving on. Um, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, from from the um, you know, look, looking again, I'm and I'm not saying this like in a way of like, oh my God, we're forty and we're like ancient, but I, like I feel like forty actually is the new you know twenty five in the sport. I mean, if you look at the people that are really um, doing quite well, is is really a crew of people that have that experience and the confidence and um, and and I think the confidence in the community. A lot of people that I've spoken to are just feeling really good in their own pro programs and really secure mm -hmm. in their group and their people. And it's really showing at the competitions and um, with the horses. And, and that is kind of a, an older crew. And, and I don't know, I mean, what do you think is, is that because the sport, I mean, the sport is definitely changed. It's definitely really, um, it's really tough. I mean, it's always been a hard game, but it, it, the level of expertise in all three phases is incredibly complicated now. And it, it takes a, a, a focus and an attention to detail that I think, you know, even when we were teenagers, it wasn't this hard. <laughs> like, you know, it takes a certain um, mindset to be able to tackle each thing and not be so emotional about it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I spend a lot, I spent, I spend <laughs> quite a bit of money with Abigail Lufkin, <laughs> um, <laughs> my sports psychologist. Um, right now, but, do you still? Oh yeah, I, I no talked to her. Yeah, I talked to her once a month, and like, I actually I spoke to her last Thursday, and then I'm talking to her again the Friday before Kentucky. So no kidding. Yeah. I so Ab, with... for those of you that that don't, Ab Ab is a phenomenal rider and was at the top of the game for a long time. Had multiple horses, you know in team contingencies at teams and then she is now a sports psychologist right is she in california where she's in california yep and um and she's she's <laughs> amazing and it's funny because like i i knew ab a little bit you know competing towards the end of her career mm -hmm. um and <clears throat> in talking to her um you know i've worked with several other sports psychologists it's great to because i know that like i've talked to some and it's like you don't get it when i okay. say yeah you know he's gonna get hot or he's gonna get whatever yeah. and 
so yeah but she's um she's a phenomenal sports psychologist and um she has helped me a lot and um, no kidding can you can you share some of the the secret tidbits of some some things that have really helped like is there prep that you do or is there um it's not so the, the well there is home like not so much homework and i like i started working with ab in in january of 2019 mm-hmm. um and i had um you know i there was some things that had gone on, um, hor- you know, horses, you know, not going great and in, in some areas. And so I, you know, I was really happy with my coaching, really happy with my veterinary care, my farrier, my staff. And why wasn't I producing the results? Mm. And that came back on to me. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to really address the psychological side of it. And for a long time, I kind of uh, would joke around and so- psychologize myself. Um, you know, my mom's a psychologist, so I grew up with that. And the first thing I said to Ab in one of our first meetings was, I, can, I know exactly what I can say that will tell you exactly what you want to hear so that we can finish this sooner and I can be out of here. <laughs> um, but... And I'm telling you that because I'm doing that in my horses, in my competitive life. I know what I have to do, or I know what the picture needs to look like, but it, the the picture I'm presenting isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I and so it was a real. Um, I was my own hurdle, was mm. getting over my own. Um, uh, being real honest with myself about where I was competitively, um, you know, just being honest with my, with myself about what I needed to do in the competition in the moment. I said, if it was a written test, I, I'd get a hundred, but mm. I'm not producing that. And I mean, so that's been, you know, I've been working with her and at the, at the beginning, the first year I was working with her every other week. And, um, what, what was her response to that first? Um, uh, she, she, she laughed and she was like, you know, that's, that, that's, that takes a lot to say that because not a whole lot of people will. And, um, you know, I'm glad that you're here and you want to work through the side of it. Let's get going. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff that I dealt with and one of the biggest issues that I faced competition wise was my own emotion hmm. and my own emotion would, would get the best of me. And it was the emotion of what other people, what I wanted other people to think of me, right? What I wanted the coaches, what I wanted the selectors, what I wanted this. And I, 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 you know, I used to have a, a lot of really, you know, I would get into these head spaces within a competition um, about, uh, yeah, I was at an event um, 
years ago and where a rider was killed. And it really, um, I couldn't get, not, I understood, and I, I worked with Av about this, and I said, I understand the risk. I'm not afraid of, of, of that, and I don't have that fear, but I have this guilt, and I couldn't ever really pinpoint what that guilt was. And it was a guilt that really kept me from allowing myself to be competitive. And, I mean... It, it, it wasn't until after I, I had gone to an event um, overseas and I had all of this, not, not death fears of, of me getting hurt or the horse getting hurt, but I just, it was really weighing heavily on me. And I talked to Ab a, a lot about that after the event and I did it. I, I, I had a good competition. Everything went really well. And it was this, this guilt of, I didn't deserve to be competitive. And mm. I really, I really, we couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint what that was. Right. And uh, I'm not going to get emotional on this, but I did <laughs> when I was talking to Ab. Yeah. But because she was like, sit there with that. And why, what is it that you are allowing or, or what, what is it that you are feeling like, give it, where do you feel it? Like, mm -hmm. is it in your heart? Is it in your stomach? Where are you feeling this guilt? And what is this guilt coming from? And, you know, I, I, I had told her, you know, some other, some other stuff. And like, when I was at that event where the rider died and I told her, I said, it was so weird. Like I went, I didn't know the person at all. Um, but I went like on the Facebook her, the the Facebook page of, of this person, and I, and she was like, "Well, what were you looking for?" And I was like, "That they, their pat that their passion. Like I hate when people say, oh, they died doing what they love.' If I died doing right. this, do not say I died doing what I love. If I died <laughs> doing what I love, I'm drinking wine and sitting around with my friends. <laughs> if I die doing my job. That's another thing. I love my right. job, but um, yeah. And anyway." So she talked, we talked through a lot of that and this is over a couple of sessions. I'm not, I didn't just happen like, oh, right away. I mean, this was a year <laughs> in the process. Yeah. And finally she said, where, you know, and she said, why, why does that, why does that phrase bother you so much when people say, they why would you not want that said and i said because people shouldn't die doing what they love and she goes sit with that for a minute she goes you you sound angry when you say that i go i am she goes why and i said because my sister died while i was doing what i love trying to take a 20 year old horse to the olympics right and she was like bingo right and it was all of this i had never really dealt with the guilt i had uh -huh. over my sister's death Right. And that was a huge <clears throat> layer that I couldn't, I always, that was a, a, that guilt that held me back. And it took a long time for me to, to be able to say that out loud. And but did you even know? I mean, well, that sounds like something that was like a complete, like, whoa. No, no. And I, yeah. I, I just, I burst into tears when I was talking to her and 
was like, I don't, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I don't know where this is coming from. And she was like, you know, the, the grieving is the guilt and the grieving is, is a totally different thing. And I carried that with me for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the guilt of, you know, I had the, I had this fairy tale, you know, like I, I said, you know, my sister died then the funeral and then I met Jennifer and it was like, you know, I, this was all a product of, you know, my sister looking out for me and I had all this, I put this pressure on myself and it was pressure that I didn't deserve. Well, yeah, you know, not pressure that I didn't deserve, but this, this existence, this reality that I didn't deserve because I was doing what I loved while my sister was fighting for life. And I had so much guilt about that. Right. And that took a long time to work through. Yeah. And, um, and now it's, it's a really, it's a really cool, uh, connection that I have with, mm-hmm. with that, with the work that I did to get to, to really work through that. And, you know, and everybody's a bit different. Oh, everybody is very different, but, um, you know, that was, that was something that really, uh, you know, it, it, it took a lot of work to get through and, um, and I'm, I'm not through it. It's, I were, I have to work, work with it every day and it's a it's a wild the human brain is a is a (laughs) it's a the the human brain and the human heart need to have they Uh, that's a a very um seen out of willy wonka yeah but yeah you know and so you know from that when i have any of the (laughs) when i get that guilt now i've got different exercises that I do in my head. And the biggest one is a, is a, is the, the smile. And, you know, cause it was like, well, what would my sister want? And that was like, what happened? Well, she, she was the one telling me to go and da 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 So, but that took a long time to, to work through. And so now when I have that, it's just that moment of that connection and that mm-hmm. really that, that relief. And it's a moment for me in my competitive life, it's a moment for slow motion. And I have to be think in slow motion so that I can do my job. And if I think in slow motion, I can do my job. And if I think in slow motion, then I'm going to have the, the, the emotion to be able to move forward to the next thing guilt free. Right. And, um, and if you don't have the, armor of guilt you can do your job yeah still can't get my fucking elbows in the dress off but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny you know we all we all have to have something well i know Uh, i had a i had a lesson with uh tammy smith and she put these bands around me i was i was like (laughs) oh my god i hope you got video uh, oh i'm gonna do it again i'm gonna get video (laughs) she goes look you're sitting so good i'm like i know the horse is going really well yeah, like, but. and I can't move, and I can't breathe. But hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but. that is so crazy. So, I mean, that that is, I mean, I got chills when you were telling a lot of that. Well, <clears throat> but it it's so interesting how, um, you know, the word like the word you said a couple of times in there was like a connection, and how in the beginning when you 
you know, went to Ab and he said, like, I have this picture of what I want, but it was, I was thinking like, but it's not connecting, like it's not yeah. connecting anywhere. And that's so crazy powerful that you were able to kind of have that discussion and that revelation. And now there's a connection there and, you know, the horses are the mirrors of all of that, but that is, that is, and it's so crazy, isn't it? How it's like, I mean, like you said, the human mind's a, a crazy place, the human mind and the human heart, because you would think who knows yourself better than yourself. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea what's going on right now. I'm having mm -hmm. these reactions and this emotion and I'm not connecting it to anything. And it's yeah. just so interesting and powerful and uh, empowering, I guess, to like get some help, you know, like that actually somebody else can come in and give you the tools to get to know yourself and connect to yourself better. And then you can connect to your job, to your horses, to your family, to your life, you know, and, yeah. and it's not perfect, but at least then, like you said, you can kind of recognize these moments of, yeah. you know, I'm going down this road. Now I have some, uh, you know, some tools to, to help keep this connection working, you know? Yeah. Just no, it, 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 it's wild. And then, um, I read a book kind of after I had had that epiphany. Um, and I only read the book because I think she's hilarious. Um, I read Chelsea Handler's book, Life Will Be the Death of Me and You Too. Mm -hmm. And it was, if you haven't read it, read it. It's yeah. one of, it is, um, but she taught, she lost her brother when she was nine years old. And she never dealt <laughs> with that. And this whole book is about her, um, her, she finally goes to therapy and she goes to therapy, um, <clears throat> basically because she can't, you know, make a relationship work and she wants to know what the problem is. And so this guy's like telling her that she needs to, um, you know, you know, dig deeper and sit with this. Yeah, he hands her an orange and she's like squeezing the orange and then all of a sudden like it just it hit her and I as I was reading it and listening to it um I was like that was the exact same moment I didn't expect what came out of my mouth mm. to be what to be the issue really of my sister right um and it was the same my little boy's here um, <laughs> Um, it was, it was the same <laughs> that, 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 um, Chelsea had in that book. So I would recommend anybody to go and read that because yeah, when I, I, just when I do it. write, uh, when I do write a book, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, but it, it's a, hey God, it's a, it's a journey and it takes work and well, it did for me and, and it still does every day, but that's so, um, I mean, that's. I mean, that's just the huge thing. I mean, that you said, like, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm happy with my horses and I'm happy with my vets and I'm happy with my coaches. And so, well, who does that leave, you know? Yeah. And to go down that road is a really big thing. I, <clears throat> you know, I think um, there's a lot of different things that, you know, are on that list of things that make a successful event rider or person or human or whatever. And I think that level of self-awareness is a is a big one you know like it is being able to be kind of brave enough to 
look in the mirror say, and say, I am the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's a really not you. It's me. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's wild though. And, and it's so easy to, um, to go take more dressage lessons, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the problem is I need to train more. Or I need to do this more. I mean, who would have, you know, who would have thunk you would have gone down that road and it would have been completely nothing to do with, you know, horses really. Yeah. No, it, I mean, I had no, it, yeah. And, and there's, you know, there's other layers and stuff that, that we've, gone into for the next bucket but uh, <laughs> but yeah no i mean like i said that's why it, it's ever changing and it's something that you know you gotta uh um wake up every day and say i'm gonna when i have that i gotta feel where it is and acknowledge yeah. it you know yeah. what is it acknowledgement identification awareness something i can't remember i've got it written down somewhere but <laughs> it's on the blackboard yeah. <laughs> um so can you talk to us about the um the skull and the crossbones can you see my flag there no i didn't <laughs> Oh, there it is. I know. I was I was surfing around on your website, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah." And I then I remembered your your wallpaper and your bar, and yeah. the and it's on your your show coat. Um, yeah. yeah. Tell us about tell us about um, your logo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so 2015, I broke my neck, and um, I can I stop you for one second because yeah. I'm just. You know, I just want to to go back to the beginning of this conversation when we talked about, you know, going to uh, Aachen and going here and going there. And in the last like 10 minutes, we've talked about breaking your neck, losing your sister, <laughs> going to therapy. You know, like this is what I'm talking about is that and you're doing it laughing and telling jokes. But, you know, this is you know, this is kind of the the real journey, you know, like this is the real stuff. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought I'd note those few things when you're like, yeah. oh, I broke my neck. <laughs> no, so, you know, in, in 2015, I broke my neck. I broke my neck in September of 2015. And that's a, that's a laying on your back uh, in a neck brace for a long time does a lot of crazy things to your head. I probably should have started therapy then. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I, I obviously came back and I, it wasn't until the next year and I was getting ready to go to a competition, um, in, I was taking a horse over to England in 2016. I was taking fun to Blenheim. Didn't go well. I retired at the fourth fence, but um no yeah that that wasn't fun but um oh i remember i was there i think yeah it it was very it was very bizarre but anyway i was getting ready for that event and i was packing my bag up and i i got my pink coat when i was 21 years old and when i was a kid all i wanted i can't tell you how many halloweens i dressed up in a red jacket and went door to door asking for candy 
Like I, all I wanted as a kid was to represent the U.S. and be able yeah. to have that jacket. And I got it when I was really young, and I had a really great horse. And I go back and watch videos. I mean, that I mean that horse deserves an Oscar. Um, <laughs> but because that was quite a role he played. <laughs> um, uh, but after the the World Games, I rode on the World Team in 2006. Um, and after mm -hmm. that, I and I've said it in a thousand interviews, people are probably sick of hearing me say it, but I was at Jane Murray's 50th birthday party and Karen Stives came up to me and she said, congrats on the Worlds. Um, don't expect your next horse to fill his shoes. And I've never forgotten that. And uh, yeah, and I and I was really I was really good about trying to really embrace that that saying and meeting every horse um, as an individual and and um, I felt like I'd really done that and you know then I broke my neck and you lay on your back and a whole bunch of stuff goes through your head and I was getting ready for an event the next year and I was packing my bag and I was putting my pink coat in there and I had the Jolly Roger emblem um I have it in my room and it it kind of fell down out of this cabinet it, it was a it's a pirate book I'm <laughs> a little bit obsessed with pirates um and the thing that fell down was a uh, was from the Goonies oh um, yeah and like that was one of my favorite movies as a kid and mm -hmm. um you know goonies never die and I, I i was like putting my pink coat in my bag and i was like my whole life i've done this for that coat and is that why i'm doing it mm -hmm. and knowing what i know now from the last four years of therapy with ab but um you know there there that was a guilt level there and it wasn't mm -hmm. done for myself and that was really the start of i mean it was the start of the rest of my career um mm -hmm. and of finding doing this for for me doing this for my horses and doing this for my my crew my team and um so i i i just embraced the emblem and i had a a tie clip that was given to me um that is a skull and crossbones that i used to wear quite a bit and then i just started to embrace and i had never really embraced it because even people would would my dad gave me something one time when I was younger and I wasn't going to wear, it was like a saddle pad of the skull and crossbones. Something I wasn't going to wear it. And he was like, Oh, I thought you liked it. I said, I do, but that's like, you know, don't drink this. Um, mm -hmm. It's like poison. I don't want to <clears throat> be poison. And then I don't know. It was something in that moment, in that realization of, you know, you're, you know, you've had, you've had a good run at this. you, you survived breaking your neck. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a battle flag. 
And if you go back and really study the the pirates' use of the of the Jolly Roger, and it was a flag that they would only raise going into battle, hmm. and you only took it down by raising a white flag. And sometimes you might have to be like another day, but mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, you're gonna ride them to the ground. You know, keep, ride keep them to the that flag. Keep, <laughs> keep going, and yeah. you know. So it's just a reminder. It's not a reminder, but it's a, it's a, um, it's an image to me that I can do hard things. I yeah. can overcome hard things. I can keep going, mm -hmm. and you know, I always I I joked around, which is not really a joke because I I wasn't English major in college, but I didn't finish. But <laughs> I have I do write a lot, and if I ever do put out. Okay, I was talking to my brother who just had a kid. Mm -hmm. um, well, he didn't. His wife did. But you know I, mean. <laughs> um, I mean, my husband says that being the husband's way more difficult. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And I then I know. hit him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I forgot what I was saying. Um, <laughs> that I, something about you writing a book and you were talking. About oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I had written some stuff and I was in Austin visiting my l new little nephew and um, anyway, my brother found something that I had written. It was in a journal that I had and he was like, you should, you should put all this stuff in a book. I said, I probably will someday. Yeah. And then my sister-in-law was like, what will you call it? And we were joking around and I was like, almost keep going. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, you know, I love it. So. I can see like a little David Sedaris. Like, I mean, I think, I, I, I think it would be a bestseller. Yeah. I think well, Tick would happily ghostwrite and help you out there too. We could, cool. yeah. <laughs> I would definitely buy it, especially um, after this interview. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I want more. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, no, it's fun. I mean, and I don't know for me, writing is a, that's a huge escape for me yeah. too. Like if I get really nervous or if I'm wound up about stuff and just, Getting it down and put paper. it out on paper and then it's there. And that's also something that I deal with, like with nerves. Um, you know, again, all the work that I've done with that, but like, um, acknowledging what nerves are where and why, and I've got to take some nerves with them. I mean, I, when we were kids and like, I remember Karen O'Connor telling us, you got to have butterflies. They've just got to fly in formation. Like, I can, <laughs> Yeah, I just got to get all mine going the same direction. They don't even yeah. need Minor kamikazes. Yeah, <laughs> they need helmets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, parachutes. Yeah. Um, they might look like pheasants. Yeah, mine are skydivers. <laughs> They've jumped out of the plane. Yeah, um, one wing. No, but like I'll I'll take you know nerves with me, but any of the other ones are if I write nerves down or any. Stuff that I don't want to take with me when mm -hmm. I get on, mm -hmm. whatever baggage that is, I'll write it down and I put it in my trunk or I leave it in mm -hmm. my car and that's there. It's not going yeah. with me. It's still there. I can pick it up and deal with it when I get back. But yeah, that's a huge release for me too yeah. about getting it out. So. Totally. I think that's a, that's a really powerful thing. I've worked with a sports psychologist for quite a long time and, um, 
Dr. Jenny Susser, she was on here and I write a lot too. Like I scribble and journal and I was feeling a lot of pressure to like keep stuff and write in formation and blah, blah. And she's like, what are you doing? She's like, you know, and she basically said, keep what you want, but the majority of it is just to get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper, mm -hmm. you know, and that, then the work's done. Then you don't have to, you know, 90% of the stuff I write, I just have notebooks and notebooks and they're illegible, you know, yeah. but it's, <laughs> but it's out of my head at least. So yeah. I think that is a, it's a very powerful tool. If it's like you said, like if it's something that really resonates with you and, um, you know, helps with that. But I think this, you know, what you're alluding to at this stage of the game is there's just so much, there's so much work to do. It just turns into a different type of work, mm -hmm. you know, turns yep. into a different type of something. And, um, I, and I think that's one of the, um, I know certainly as I've gotten older, one of the things I've started, started to embrace and enjoy more is, um, is the learning is like the evolution of it and recognizing that it's never going to be a finished product, that it's, yeah, the work is actually like, what's, you know, it's going to be hard, but what's going to happen today? Like, you know, like talking about this huge change for you and this big revolution, you know, it's like, <clears throat> that's so huge and empowering. It's like, once you get that out of the way, what, what else can you do? You know, what else is there that you can solve and figure out and grow and, um, and I'm sure the horses appreciate it, you know, like I'm sure they just, I mean, they're just the most gracious animals ever. I mean, like you said, when you look back at videos of Brad and we all had that first horse. That oh my just, God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> yeah. But that, but I think, you know, I think every horse comes into your life for a reason. And, and oh, I think a lot of us were fortunate to have one that gave us a taste. Mm -hmm. you know, then shit got real. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they're great. They're so gracious. And maybe that horse comes around again later and you get to actually, you know, pay it back a little bit, you know, yeah. like <laughs> you think, okay. Um, you know, I'll, I I'm, thank you. I'm better now. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a pretty powerful thing. Um, well, that's so cool. So we're gonna we're gonna get to these questions, and um, we really uh, like wrapping the show with these. I mean, you've been so um, open, and I again, I just love that about you. How you're so willing to kind of share your journey and what you go through, and I think I know you just told me a whole lot I didn't know. <laughs> I'm like, I know this guy, and um, you know, and it's really inspiring. And I think that's gonna help a lot of our our listeners recognize you know, how much work goes in behind the scenes. And it's so, um, and it's every, like you, you said it earlier and you really hit the nail on the head is that everybody, you know, is a little different. And then you stopped and said, actually, no, everybody is really different, but yeah. there are kind of these common factors of, um, <clears throat> you know, that everybody's going through something. And if you can kind of flip that and empower yourself to, to, kind of sit with it like you said kind of i'm going to picture like an orange or sitting with an orange from now on yeah. <laughs> but if you can if you can sit with that and kind of you know not um get the right type of emotion i think you said that too like it was it's you know sometimes people say oh there's no emotion you shouldn't have emotion in riding but i i think it's about having the right type of emotion yeah. <clears throat> you know like it's a passion like we it's we certainly don't do it for the money so there's there's a passion driven there, but it's just kind of having the appropriate amount. Um, but I want to circle back to some of these questions that I sent you. Um, and 
yeah, go from there. So you can you can have a pass if you want to pass on any of them. Um, okay. But Elba, I'm hush. Not... <laughs> bad dog. We've had a lot of bad dogs on this show, actually. Kim Severson's are, are real bad. Um, but um, all right. So we're going to start with number one. What is the biggest lesson a horse has taught you about yourself? Um, that I can keep going. Um, and it's a little bit of a, a mixture of every, of, of probably every horse I've ever set on, um, mm -hmm. you know, that they're all different and you, if you're going to do this and you don't, you can't expect the next one to fill the one, the previous one's shoes. There's no, yeah, everybody's very different. So is every horse. And so, um, you just have to keep going. And when things get hard, think in slow motion and figure out how to do it. That's good. I like that. Think in slow motion. I'm writing that down. I mean, Laura Kraut told me years ago before she was the show, she helped us with show jumping before the Aachen world games. And I remember sitting talking with her, um, at, it was at Gatcom because she had, she had warmed all of us up and we were sitting back there and I'll never forget it. She said, well, the person who wins the jump off is the person who thinks in slow motion. Mm. And you know, I, I'm, uh, people have asked me like, Oh, like at Carolina last weekend, how'd you make fun go so fast? <laughs> like, <laughs> you just keep kicking him, but you got to think in slow motion so you can mm -hmm. make the most efficient turns. Yeah. Stuff like that. So I love that expression. That's something that I go to a lot. Yeah. Well, you I wrote that down from earlier. You, you said think in slow motion. So, and, and then you pause and said, so you can get the right emotion, mm -hmm. which was, was pretty cool. Um, do you have a favorite training or competition mantra that you reference regularly? <laughs> Might have think in slow that. motion and just do your job. <laughs> just do your job. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we'll go to number three. Is there a piece of advice that someone gave you along the way that you still reference today? Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the Karen Stives quote is, is one mm. that I think about all the time. Um, I, I'm going to you know, go back to Bobby Costello, who's really been such a, uh, uh, everything I've done in my professional career, he has been a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I go to him for a lot of advice and I go to him and ask him questions and, he never will just give me the answer, hmm. but he, he demands horsemanship and, and I, that, and he makes me think so that I don't ever forget it. Mm-hmm. 
So I come up with that on my own. And it's not one thing that he says or doesn't say. Um, it's probably the things he doesn't say that are so uh, impactful, um, you know, in, in a moment of whether it's in a moment of training um, or a moment of recap. There's just sometimes like uh, you got to do that better. And, <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, like we went over my my show jump rounds last weekend and I had I had a rail on Teddy, which I mean, a monkey could jump that thing clean. I had the triple bar down <laughs> and I was like coming out of the turn and like you can see it six strides out and he just looks at me and he's like I'm like enough said <laughs> and so that's something that sometimes yeah. it's don't go looking for reasoning you know mm -hmm. just be real honest with why things happen and that's yeah. something that I've really admired that that Bobby's so good at. He's a really, I, it's funny. Um, it reminds me of when we were at Burley. I can't remember if we were 211 or 212. You had Missy. When was that? 2012. Um, and I remember talking to Bobby um, and he said to me, I, I, cause I, we passed each other. I was going out you were coming in and you, you had had a fall yeah. And I saw Bobby later and I said something like, oh, you know, poor Will or, or whatnot. And he looked at me and he said, um, he was kind of like a little like this. And he said, so-and-so, I can't remember who it was, said exactly the wrong thing to Will before he went. And he's like, if you know Will at all, <laughs> you, you can't say this. And I remember that conversation so profoundly because a Bobby is very politically correct. You know, he doesn't get wound up very much. And B it struck me because I thought how well he knew you and how well, like how you just said, sometimes it's not what you say, you know, like how, how, and I, we've all had situations like that happen where, you know, you in a perfect world, somebody should be able to say anything to you and it doesn't get through. But I mean, Let's be real, you know, in the heat of the moment, right before you're supposed to do something, some things just sit with you and it, that can really like make you go and do the best thing you've ever done, or it can really kind of mess with you a little bit. Yeah. But I remember that from however many years ago, him saying that about you. And I thought how powerful it was to have somebody in your corner that actually kind of could filter that or knew what to say and what not to say that would really, you know, impact yeah, you. Yeah, and, and he's that way with all of his students and mm -hmm. all of the people that he can put into the ring. And so it's not, you know, one thing that he has said to me over yeah. my, throughout my career, but I mean, I can't tell you the number of five-star start boxes he's walked with me down to the start, and I'm like, I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think she's pulled a shoe. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to go. And, he, you know, he just, he knows, you know, I'm yeah, not ever one that say. needs to get wound up like, ah, I'm going yeah. out and attack. Like, just yeah. think in slow motion and do your freaking job. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. so it's, 
so I, the biggest thing I would say, like if I had to pinpoint is to know your audience, Yeah. know, know your students, know your horse, know. And that's something that, I, that has been so instilled in me through his guidance over the last 20 years. Yeah. You got to be careful with, with, or mindful, careful is not mm-hmm. the right word, mindful of, of what you say. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you do when you are seeking inspiration? Uh, um, seeking inspiration. I tend to try to not seek inspiration because when I do, I start you adding build another house. wing onto your house, <laughs> hang another swing up. Yeah, um, it's like, no. is there a swing in this shower? <laughs> yeah, there is. It's nothing weird. Um, but um, <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't take much to get me inspired. Um, one of this is going to sound so gay, no pun intended, (laughs) but, um, one of my favorite things to do, and it comes on at like eight Oh six in the morning is I watch the today show Mm -hmm. and Hoda copy always does these morning boosts. And most of the time I cry at the end of them because it's usually like an army guy that sees his kids again. Um, but it's someone, it's something of either a kid or a, like one the other day was this woman was finding out she was going to be a grandmother and how they told them. And just that sheer joy Mm. and excitement and love and passion and whatever it is, I love seeing that in other people. And, um, you know, the, the, so I, I always, it's so funny because like I have a lady that I work out with Monday through Friday and, um, this time of year she comes at six fifteen in the morning just cause I've got to start riding, but which is fine. Cause then I'm done. So I'm in there to watch my morning boost, um, <laughs> but like in the winter and stuff, when she was coming, she was coming at eight o'clock and I was, we'd get there and. I'd make her drink coffee until I could see the morning booth. So <laughs> I've never actually really thought of that, mm. but I, I love stories like that. Yeah. Um, and that inspires me to, you know, make, to have that joy, that excitement and that, you know, and to feel that from the horses and from my students, from whatever it is. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, so yeah, Hoda copies morning boost. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. I haven't yeah. seen that. <clears throat> I like it. Um, all right. Have you had um, an experience or adversity separate? We've talked about this bit, but separate from horses in your life that has directly influenced you as a horseman? A whole lot. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean. I think everything has, because I think in order to be a horseman, you have to put everything into it. Yeah. So, um, when I was a kid, uh, we had the cattle ranch in Texas and we also had a, had the ranch in Cimarron, New Mexico and, um, the UU bar ranch. And my dad managed that. And anyway, we had, a lot of cattle and horses on that. And I was probably seven or eight years old. 
it was one summer and I had ridden up, we had moved a bunch of cattle up to the top of the mountain for the summer. And I was with a guy named Leroy Webb and he was probably in his mid seventies. Um, at that point, an old, old cowboy. I mean, just probably one of the greatest horsemen I, I've ever met. Um, and I remember the next morning we were, we had moved the cattle up there. It took us all day. It took us like 15 hours to get up there. And then we stayed in the cabin and we were going to ride back the next day. And we woke up the next morning and it was pouring rain and it actually snowed on the top. And I remember he opened the door and then he went out, fed the horses and he came back in. Um, and I, I had gone outside and I was standing there and he, cause he came back in and he goes back inside a, a rain day makes for good horsemen and good horses, good horses and good horsemen. And I, I remember looking at him and I was like, we're not going back today. He was like, no, these horses are going to have a day in the sun when this rain stops and mm -hmm. we'll go down tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I've met like, that's been something that now after years of therapy, like <laughs> that was then thinking in slow motion, like, yeah. And, and he, I, I, he said that rain day, a rain day makes for good horses and good horsemen. But remember rain days are few and far between. Mm. And I, that's something that I've always kind of thought about. Or yeah. still think about now. I mean, obviously, if you're getting ready for Kentucky and the horse has to do a gallop or a trot set, yeah, it's going to be pouring rain. You're going to go and do it. But there are some days where you just have to stop and smell the roses, yeah. so yeah. to speak. So. Yeah. Well, that's um, yeah, that doesn't happen very much in our discipline. We get we get so busy. If we got to do this, mm -hmm. we got to do that. We got to do this, and then mm -hmm. you a little bit kind of lose the why. Yeah. Yeah. No, completely. You know, like it, it's, yeah, you get to a point where it's the only person hustling you is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotta pause that. <laughs> um, well, this has been awesome. Well, I, uh, I really, really appreciate how, again, how honest and open you've been with all of this. I think it is, I'm going to go back and listen to this one for sure. Yeah. Um, and then go back and listen to Bobby's cause we had Bobby on here uh, a couple of weeks ago, sitting in that same location. So yeah. I'm, um, I think you, you should send this on to Bobby and we'll give a shout out to Ab as well. She might have a whole roster of people calling her. Yeah. <laughs> I might be on that list. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. uh, that was fun to hear about, about her again, but, um, I can't thank you enough. What is next? You're headed to Kentucky. Are you headed to the fork? The fork. Yeah. <laughs> fun. And Mama's magic way. They'll just do a combined test this weekend because <laughs> they, ran super at Carolina and then yeah. I've got um Ramona's doing the four short and then fun goes to Kentucky and Mason goes to badminton. Oh, so exciting. So, um, so crazy. Exciting. I did badminton in 2005. That was the last year it was long format. Uh huh. And weirdly enough, I, I was number 17. It was 17 years ago. And I finished 17th that year. So oh my God, going back 17 <laughs> years later. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, hopefully uh, I'll be better than 17th. But <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a good crew of Americanos going, isn't there? Yeah. A group. 
yeah, it'll be fun. So it'll be awesome. Well, best of luck and thank you so much for joining us here. I will probably see you at Kentucky in real life. And awesome. um we'll be I get following. To meet the baby. Now I I honestly it was like two o'clock in the morning. I was feeling bad for myself. I booked myself, just myself, going to Kentucky for for one and a half days and I'm leaving Tick with the baby and the other baby. So that was a rude awakening for him. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hopefully everyone will survive. Um, so I will see you there and I will be following the fork from here. Awesome. So thank you so, so, so much. And I know our, our listeners will be very excited and everybody can check out your website. What it, I looked at it. What is the website? Though? I, I don't really update I, it. I just so. Googled your name and it came out. It's actually a really beautiful website. It's a beautiful website. I need to update yeah. it. I just, I'm so computer illiterate that I don't know yeah. how to do any of that. And I mean, I, honestly, like I think the websites right now, I think Facebook and all the social media. Is well, so yeah, the girls, we have a, mm -hmm. Facebook, Wolf Hunter Event Team Facebook and Instagram account that, that Christina, who yeah. uh, is my head groom, she um, does all that. So yeah, so that's, that's updated. Uh, the the website's doing its job. It's very pretty. It has pretty pictures. It gives some background, and then everybody can follow you on the social media sites. On social media, uh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Alrighty, thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. Before you go, I just want to let you know more about Ride IQ. At its core, Ride IQ gives everyone access to instruction from the best equestrian coaches in the world. It might sound impossible, but with Ride IQ, you get access to the private mobile app that has hundreds of on-demand, listen-while-you-ride audio lessons taught by top riders and coaches in eventing, hunter jumpers, and dressage. Here's how it works. You look through the app and choose a lesson based on your horse or a skill you're working on. There are lessons for green off-the-track thoroughbreds and nervous horses horses and horses that are behind the leg, as well as lessons that teach every stage of skills like shoulder in or trot lengthenings. Then you tack up and press play and you have a top coach like Doug Payne or Leslie Law or Gina Smith in your ear guiding you every step of the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, it is always appreciated if you can take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and family and leave a review on your podcast app. The best way to support the podcast is to become a Ride IQ member at ride-iq.com. And when you do, we hope you're excited to see that InStride is just one of multiple podcast shows on the app, including hack chats, conversations with coaches, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week and please do press follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. And as always, remember to pat your horse.